Hey everybody and welcome to the Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Here are your hosts, Josiah and Micah Keneally. What's up guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally. I'm Josiah Keneally. We're the hosts of this podcast, Young Adults Today, where we talk about the faith of the next generation and reaching young adults in our world mm-hmm. today. Thanks for subscribing and sharing to this show. Um, we are joined today by Billy Jaffs. How are you? I'm great. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. We're so excited and uh, definitely it's a a Monday morning. We want to help the listeners start their week off strong Mm -hmm. is the message today. And Billy is a former ICU nurse and now she is a sought after speaker, best-selling author and a popular podcast host of The Family Room. She's been married for nearly 30 years to a major league baseball coach which comes with living in, I don't know, 15, 16 different cities, eight states, three countries with her husband while raising three sons. In just a minute, we're going to talk with Billy mm-hmm. about detoxing from distractions. So if you feel overwhelmed, maybe you feel like, look, in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your leadership, mm-hmm. it's like there's a lot of buzzing, ringing and digging. Mm-hmm. And there is a long list of to-dos And maybe just you feel like there's not enough time to get everything done. We want to cut through the clutter and get to the priorities and do what matters most with our lives because they're short here Mm -hmm. on planet earth. We get one shot and Billy, we want to toss it to you. Can you just start us off today by sharing with us and the listener, your story of life and family leadership, wherever you want to take it. Oh, glory. Do you have all day? My life is so crazy. No, um, I am the wife of a professional baseball coach right now. He's an, a senior advisor with the Washington Nationals. We're off the field this year, but love baseball. We've done baseball. This is his 36th season. We'll be married Amazing. 35 years this year. Amazing. I, I feel like I'm still in my early, early 30s until I look in the mirror, but <laughs> we raised three boys during that. We really feel like God has taken us to a place of Mm -hmm. serving him where we are with whatever he gives us. Mm -hmm. And we surrendered that to him many years ago. And we truly feel like baseball is our mission field. This is where God's called us and is that mission field that it that mission field is within the, the team that we're with, the players, the wives, the coaches, the staff, all the way to the lady I buy my water bottle from when I go to the stadium or the the gate tenders when I go through the ticket takers, which now is electronic. But, you know, it's like it's everyone that we come in contact with, with people that are fans that know I'm David's wife and I meet or whatever. I always want to be able to show them the joy of Jesus mm-hmm. and how much love God has shown us. And I'm not talking materialistic here we are in the big leagues. I'm talking that in my lowest points in life, God has carried me through it and I'm going to have joy in all of it. And that's where David and I feel like, you know, God has called us in that craziness of raising three boys. I was home alone a lot with them, homeschooled them a while, really, you know, trying to grow up that next generation of leaders. And after they were gone, it was like, or as my baby was graduating high school, it's like, Lord, what do you want me to do for you? Like, I know that you've called me to, to be in the stands with these girls. I know that you've called me in, in doing these things, but what is it that you want me to do for you now that my kids are getting older and becoming independent? And the Lord said, right. And my response back was, Lord, I'm from North Carolina originally. I don't even speak English. How am I going to write it? And that's when he took me on this journey into writing that I never dreamed would happen. And now he has me in a place that I'm I'm serving in a different way than I ever dreamed I could, but what a blessing it is. Amen. Billy, thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm sure throughout the 36 years of you being accessible to all these young women, like you started when you were a young woman and as yes. you're aging and growing, like you have so much experience and insight. I'm sure you've seen prayers answered. You've seen breakthrough. You've seen um, just marriages maybe healed or restored or oh, yeah. redeemed. And you may have seen the other side of those things too, sure. but having that exposure and stewarding it well, I think yeah. is such an awesome opportunity and gift. And I I'd just be curious throughout the years of your, your heart beating for this, those generations, like the people 18 to 30, 
what, um, what like stirs your heart the most about the generation and more or less, like, why do you believe that reaching the next generation in and for the name of Jesus is so vital and critical in this day and age? Yeah. I just got goosebumps when you were asking that question, because I see such promise and hope in the hearts of them youngins. At North <laughs> them youngins. That's what my mom used to say about them youngins. You know, that 18 to 32, man, or 30 years old. I'd say 18 to 32, because when we started in baseball, I was 22 years old and I was the age of the wives and the players. 36 years later, I am no longer of that age group, but they're the same age because, mm-hmm. once, you know, they're just within that age group. And I just see such hope and joy and, and serving hearts. And it is a generation that is going to transform the world in my mind. I think there is just so much that they are ready to do. I see the one thing I see in this generation right now is a servant's heart. They want to serve others. They want the betterment of our planet. They want the betterment of of other humans. They want to tell people how to find the peace and joy that they have. Mm -hmm. A lot of the world is sitting in an anxious state right now. When you, when you talk to people, Oh, I'm so anxious. Oh, I just, I'm just so anxious. And it's like, yeah, but is God stirring something up in you in that anxiety? Is he drawing you closer to him to find Mm -hmm. those coping skills, to find that way to focus on him so that you can realize his best in your life? And I see this generation mulling through that, you know, being molded through that, being pliable through that. They are the clay in God's hands mm-hmm. and they are working with Jesus in that way to become who it is, that beautiful leaky urn that we all are, <laughs> but that beautiful urn that he's creating in their lives so that they can serve others. When I look at that generation too, man, as an older woman now, and I don't realize that until I look in the mirror or the camera, but as an older woman, I look at that generation and I just am so excited to learn from them. What can I glean from them? It's not always the older teaching the younger. Mm -hmm. The younger generation can teach this older generation so much. And that's where I'm excited to keep my eyes open to what God's doing in the lives in and through the lives of this generation that are transforming the world and will make a huge change in the kingdom. Amen. Billy, I love that. Something when I, about 10 or 11 years ago, I was really praying for my generation, the generations to come. And God really spoke to me because I think we can try to dismiss God's calling because we, we feel inadequate. So there's an inadequacy when it comes to that. And we become insecure of like, well, who am I? And I'm like, no, God's called you. You are a child of God. There's a calling on your life and you need to be obedient and say yes. And I remember going to the book of Timothy and I was just reading and God specifically spoke to me and it was, you're never too old to learn and you're never too young to teach. And I love how you just went there because you said, I'm eager to learn from the next generation. And I think that it's almost become rare for both generations or a generational gap to be able to bridge together and to understand, like, look at who's in the room. Let's learn to ask better questions. Let's put our own agenda down and lean into the people in front of us. Because when we lean in, we pique their curiosity of like, they really care. They really want to hear my story. They're concerned about my spiritual well-being. They're concerned about the decisions I'm making. And I think when we start to ebb and flow, not only in the spirit, but we're reading the word of God, when we're functioning in the spirit, when we're stewarding the gifts and the people that God has placed before us, watch out world, because there will be that change. There will be those exciting moments that you can truly walk out the joy that God has given you and the path he set before you in a beautiful way. That's just a testimony to those around. So it even piques their curiosity even more of like, how can you love X, Y, and Z when the world yeah. is so ugly? How can you yeah. lean into my own messy? I'm like, we all got our own messy to deal with, but we realize yeah. that, that is something for all of us and we can learn yeah. from each other. It just decreases yeah. that, that fear and those insecurities of the calling, yeah. or maybe we are just on the path of discovering, but to remove some of those distractions or clutter, I think is just essential in our soul to make room for what God has. So when people come, Mm -hmm. it's like, 
wow, we're just puzzle pieces being put together and molded. Like you said, molded, we're still pliable. Like God is the, he's creating, he's the potter, we're the clay. And it's a beautiful place to be, but decide what you got. I love that you said the word soul. Okay. Because before we pressed record, we were talking with Billy and, and she was just talking about maybe major league baseball or, you know, even just all of us in the West, in America, how, um, sometimes it can be like, we have the appearance of everything, Mm. which is absolutely meaningless and utterly nothing without God. I think of a question Jesus asked, what good is it if you gain the whole world and and yet lose your soul? And so Billy, we want to talk with you and hear from you Mm -hmm. this soul message, because I know that at moments it feels like I'm inundated with notifications and technology. We're tethered to our smartphones. It's like our phones have leashes or maybe they have us on a leash. And sometimes in my life or or our world, it feels like we have a long to-do list, but very minimal time or just limited time. And so Mm -hmm. with it, for some, it comes with this people pleasing and the need to be seen in a positive light or Mm -hmm. unrelenting standards that we have for ourselves or maybe others. Mm -hmm. And, and in this world, it's like anxiety bubbles to the surface of our souls. And Jesus has given us this soul message of peace. So what I'm dying to ask you Mm -hmm. is, can you talk about the importance along our journey of life or for the young leader, for the person viewing or listening today, Talk about the importance of making peace with imperfection. Ooh. Yeah, um, so much in that. I want to back up a little bit. When we talk about being tethered to our phones and scrolling, I'm just as guilty as many. But why do we do that? And that's where I came into a place where I was so overbooked, overscheduled, overstressed, overanxious, over, 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 over it. Over it, <laughs> yes. I, over it that I took a lot of things out of my schedule. My husband said to me one time when I was like, I have so much going on. He's like, you have the right hand syndrome. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Always volunteering to do things. Were they bad things? No. Were they a lot of really good God things? Yes. But God doesn't intend us to do everything. Mm -hmm. So then when I took all that stuff out of my schedule, I was like, well, why am I still running to things? Why am I still so distracted mentally in things? The notification, Facebook notifications, Instagram. If I have a bubble on my email, on my phone, it drives me insane until I check it. Why is that? And when I started digging into that, I figured out for me that those external distractions, the bubble, the the volunteering the always on the go, the overscheduled was really what happens when the emotional toxins that I'm not dealing with are overwhelming my life. I don't belong. So I need to volunteer more. So I belong. Mm. I'm not good enough. So I need to respond quicker. So I'd look like I am. I'm fearful I'm fearful of what others will think about me, people pleasing. I'm fearful that I don't fit in. I'm fearful that my Instagram grid isn't perfect. I doubt God can love me with that being that leaky urn that, you know, there are things in my life that aren't that perfect. I'm messy. Mm-hmm. I, 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 my mood swings, my, my feeling not enough. Can God love me that way? And then that shame and guilt that I carry in my life that God's already forgiven me of. Mm -hmm. But here I go, bringing it back up again, because you can't live without shame, without guilt and guilt without shame. So when you feel guilty about something, you feel shameful and you push away from God. So with all that busyness and getting rid of that, I really saw that my, the root of my most detrimental distractions was what I was thinking about. And when I started going, I'm a list maker. I don't know if any of you guys are, but I'm a list maker. I'm a checker offer. Like I I write it down. Amen. Like that is, I like lists. So I started making a list of the things I was thinking about. And do you know what I realized when I read back that list? And I did the list for over a week. Like every time I think something negative, I'd write it down, negative, write it down. And I just kept making a list, a little notebook full of a list of all the things I was thinking And when I went back and looked at it, 
I never realized that I am my biggest bully. Hmm. There is no one else on earth that talks to me the way I do. And there is no one else on earth I would ever say those words to. Wow. Never. And that's when I'm like, oh, ho, ho, ho. okay, Lord, you know, when the Lord speaks in your spirit and he's like, gotcha. we're on to something. <laughs> gotcha. It's like, yo, Jesus and I, I'm just going to say, Jesus and I have these very fun conversations. Like, <laughs> dude, are you for real? And Jesus goes, yeah, girl, I am. You know, that's my conversation with the Lord and all, all in reverence to Jesus, man. When, I, when this conversation's going on, I'm sitting at his feet. You know, it's not like I'm standing up with him. I'm sitting at his feet and he's talking to me in a very real way. So it was like, aha, gotcha. Do you really think I want you thinking that way of you when you're my daughter? That's good. You're my love. When I created you, when you were created in the image of God and you're looking in the mirror saying how ugly you are and who on earth would want to be your friend because you're so messy. Why would God want to love you? And he shook me up in that. And that's when I knew that I needed to go through this process of Mm -hmm. How do I get rid of those? Now, and I'm going to say, I wrote a book all about this. I don't write a book because I feel like people need something. I write a book because God has shook my world and changed it and transformed it and brought me to that place of Mm -hmm. peace, brought me to that place of freedom. And that is why I write these books. I go back. I've got my books sitting here right now. I keep it on my desk all the time. I've got little, little (laughs) stickies on it. I go back to it because I want to remember how God took me from one place to another. Now, can we be healed of all these toxins? I call them emotional toxins. Can Mm -hmm. we be healed of them? Yes. God can transform and heal anything he so desires. For some reason, the flesh in me, that sinfulness in me, or the enemy wanting mm-hmm. to take me mm-hmm. down continues to bring up some of those same thoughts. Yeah. And in this process that I went through, that's how I learned how to stop that thought, replace it and move forward. I love that. I think that's so powerful. No matter where you're at in life, no matter what age you are, there's always something that we're working in and through and on. And God's yeah. working on us. Like we're never going to arrive, but we have the ability. He's given us the ability to take those thoughts captive And to replace them and not supplement them, replace them, which means you take out the root of whatever lie you're believing or whatever has been spoken over you. You fill it with the word of God. You fill it with truth. You fill it with who God created you to be. You're created in his image and you speak that truth until your mind, the neuroplasticity of your mind has the ability to rewire and to rethink and to retrain. And sometimes you say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Listen, God has given us the mind to learn. Woof, woof. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But just really like when you say like, I'm sitting at his feet, that's a form of surrender and submission to be like, oh, I'm here again. And it's both friend and foe because it's like, oh, I'm not perfect yet because I'm not, I'm not experiencing the goodness of God. I haven't been in your presence in heaven yet. No. And Lord, like, just work on me, hollow yeah. me out, mold me and make yeah. me and do what you yeah. need to do. Remove the ugliness, remove the thoughts and remove those things. And I would just be so curious because the book that you wrote is how to detox from distraction and our minds and our thoughts are a form of distraction. Yes. They're removing us off the rails that God has placed us on. And when we're trajectory, like we're going forward and the trajectory that we're on, when those distractions come, they shake us to the core, right? Whether Mm -hmm. it's something that bubbles up, like you said, or if it derails us, it has Mm -hmm. the ability to do both. But when we are in the word of God, we understand the will of God and we're so laser focused and we start like eliminating those detox, uh, detoxing and identifying what do we need to sift through? What sediments are taking over? How can we as people detox from the distractions, whether it's our mind, um, the physical, how can, how can you unpack that question for us today? Yeah. Um, throughout this process that I went through and I'm a pretty process oriented person, um, as you can tell, we're making lists. I'm very process oriented. So when I 
goes through something with the Lord. It's a very process oriented. And that's how I wrote this book. And in, at the end of each chapter in this book, we go through a detox challenge because I'm also, I don't know if you guys do Enneagram. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm a challenging person. It's like, I'm going to challenge you. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to, but I'm going to challenge you to make a change. Like the Lord wants you to do things. Let's do it together. So I go through that and, and what I, I break it down really into five steps in the detox. I use the D, the E, the T, the O, the X. And so we determine the distractions. We determine what are, what is it that's distracting us? If that's external distractions or internal distractions. My first book was more on the external distractions. This book is more on the internal. So taking those two and molding them together of figuring out where are we and you know what is going on in our life that's taking us farther away from God. Not that we don't believe anymore, not that we're living in deep, terrible sin, mm-hmm. but we're not realizing God's best in our life. We're not keeping that vertical you know, eye on Jesus, you know, keeping him within our sight. So when we go through the detox process, determining those distractions, then we go into evaluating them, feeling the feels, how do they make you feel? And why are you getting that feeling? Now, sometimes you may have something you're like, oh, I, I just went on TikTok and I don't know about you guys. Maybe I'm confessing a little too much. You can get to a point on TikTok where it tells you you've been on here too long. It's time to go away, basically. I don't know if you've experienced that. But now that I'm home more uh, without kids around TikTok, I can spend too much time on it. So how does it make you feel? Well, while you're scrolling, it makes me feel real good. At the end, when it says you've been on here too long, it's like, oh, the shame that came over me, you know. And How does it make you feel? And, And what are you getting out of it? You know, anything that we're focusing on, we're getting something out of it. If that's some of the shame and the guilt from our past, we're getting something out of it. Maybe we like beating ourselves up too much. God doesn't desire that. But just putting those in. Now, there are some that some distractions you have. That, and, and when I talk about in my first book, when I talk about the external distractions, I talk about friendships, social time with friends. It's good. It's a good thing. But when we start prioritizing that over reading the word, oh, I got to go meet my girlfriends, go for a walk before I've even looked at my Bible or your Bible's sitting on your bedside table and it's got more dust on it than your headboard does. That's a little bad, you know, like you need to prioritize things. And then we go into terminating the toxins and that's just getting rid of it. Once we determine what the toxins are, we realize how they make us feel and, and, and put them in an order of which ones we need to get rid of the most. Then I in the book, I talk about take one at a time. We don't need to get rid of every toxin on the first day that we're thinking about this because it's all going to be surface and topical. We need to dig in. We need to dig in those roots. We need to dig to the bottom. I don't know if you guys do much gardening or digging up. You know, when my kids were little, we used to go plant trees. And sometimes when we plant trees, we had to dig up these big bushes. And man, the roots on those things would go everywhere. And you keep digging and digging. And some went straight down. You had to keep digging like you were going to go through the earth to the other side to get those roots out. Well, that's the way these toxins are. Some are very surface oriented. They go a long way, but you can get them up and rip them up and cut them off and, and get through them. But sometimes we got to dig a little deeper. So that's why I suggest taking one at a time and terminating the toxins. In the book, I talk about deception versus truth. What's the lie? Because these emotional toxins are lies. You know, one of the things that I uprooted was I was a bad mom. And when I started digging into it, it's like, bad mom, why do I think I was such a bad mom? And I went back to one time when one of my sons at 12, 13 years old came to me and talked to me about some pretty harsh sins his friend was experiencing. And out of fear that his exposure to this sin was going to take him in a place that that I knew was not intended by God. Out of that fear, I started screaming at him and accusing him and and just beat him down. And that was nothing like I'd ever done before. Honey, I, I was not a perfect mom. Do not get me wrong. 
But in this time, I took it to a level I'd never taken it before. And we both were crying and I got on my knees and I hugged his legs. He was very tall anyway, but I hugged his legs and I'm just like, please, please forgive me. I, and this is within a 20 minute period. I mean, it was, it was ugly, ugly. And I knew I caught myself, the Lord convicted me in it and I needed to ask for forgiveness. And he forgave me. We talked it out. It ended in a great, as great a way as it could have with that chaos it ended in a good enough way. My kid still, he's older now and he still calls me almost every day. So why in my mind am I thinking I'm a bad mom? Because I go back to that incident and I look at the ugliness of it and the shame I have as a mom of it. And I define myself as a bad mom. And in that, when I find myself in that place of saying I'm a bad mom, I push away from my kids. Because I'm a bad mom. Maybe they think bad of me. It could be a friendship. It could be an encounter. Whatever it is that you keep going back to with that shame and guilt. And there's other things in my life I've had to earn unearth. But in that evaluating how that makes me feel, it makes me feel terrible. It keeps me stuck in shame and guilt. When when I really evaluate it as to how it went and how I moved through it, then I can move into a new place of terminating that toxin of finding scripture. Um, one of my favorite scriptures is for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. I love that. Jesus mm-hmm. power through us. The power of the resurrection lives within us. Love God's love for me and the, the love that I pour out in that overabundance of his love. But I got to have a little self-control in making sure that I'm walking the path that God is asking me to walk in that living in his power and love. And so when I evaluate it and terminate that toxin, the next time I had that thought or had that thought of I'm a bad mom. No, I'm not. I'm not living in a spirit of fear. I have God's power and his love and self-control. I have a relationship with my son now. I'm not a bad mom. I'm not a perfect mom. I was not a perfect mom, but I am not a bad mom because the devil wants to keep me there so that I don't move forward in in building this really amazing relationship with my adult children. And so that's where we go to in determining the toxin, replacing it with the truth, and then outlining that plan. This is a plan I have. When that thought comes up, I will replace it with this truth. And then I'm going to call one of my kids and I'm just going to say, hey, just wanted to say I love you. If they answer or not, they may be busy. Hey, just wanted to say I love you. And I'm so blessed to have you as my child. I, I thank God every day that he gave me you. The end. And that's executing the plan that I've put in place. So good. I love how practical that plan is, Billy, from determining the distractions, mm-hmm. evaluating and actually feeling the feelings God's given yes. us, terminating it. Um, outlining the plan and then executing, like carrying it out, Mm -hmm. being practical. I think this message is so timely, but it's Mm -hmm. also so practical. Mm -hmm. There's handles for us to apply to it. And early on in in your Mm -hmm. sharing this plan, you had just mentioned TikTok. And I don't know where the listener is on the journey of scrolling or social media. Maybe it's Instagram. Maybe you're more of a, have an affinity for Twitter or news or whatever, But I think that something that I'm learning right now, like the past two weeks with social media, I think we both have a attempt to have a healthy relationship with social media Mm -hmm. where our goal at the end of the day is to be a light in a dark place Mm -hmm. and with it to to create more than we're consuming. Mm -hmm. So actually contribute more than we're scrolling. But I, I realized I was at a conference about 10 days ago. And some of the people I really track closely with were the ones sharing at this conference. And so a lot of the the accounts that I follow or look up to Mm -hmm. or track with closely, um, maybe they're preaching messages on weekends, maybe they're writing books, maybe they have podcasts and blogs and a lot of resources. Mm -hmm. And, and, And I think sometimes I don't necessarily get caught up in distractions, but um, or or maybe I do, but maybe maybe I don't feel like I'm paralyzed by comparison. But this is the question that I've asked of some people that I look at as high achievers or just doing great things for the glory of God. I'm like, how do they do it all? Here's the answer that I just learned. They don't. They don't. 
I'm serious. And here's what I learned. And I won't name names, but some of the accounts that I've been tracking with, they speak at the conferences I go to. They preach the messages I watch on YouTube. They're writing the books that I'm reading. You know what? They don't do it all. But you're like, huh? They, they're doing it all. You just said they do it all. Here's the key is they don't do it all. It's teams. So yeah. I realized this about yeah. some of the accounts that I've been tracking with. It's like they aren't managed by that person. If you look at their phone, some of them showed me their phone. And they're like, oh, yeah, I don't have Instagram. No. Really? No. No. Oh, yeah. My team <laughs> does yeah. the photo shoots. And, yeah, mm-hmm. I show up. And then they post the videos. And they do yeah. the sermon clips. Or they edit the podcasts. And they... Yeah go strike the books or whatever it is. And I, I feel like I was set free recently to go, oh man, I don't have to do it all. Yeah. And I think this has been my journey the past year that I just want to share is that for us, the things that mm-hmm. matter most to me or to Micah and I, it's our walk with God, mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. personal relationship with Jesus. I love, yeah. um, you know, the, the quote that says, um, the, I think it was Tozer who said the most important thing about you is what you think about when God enters your mind. What do you think about? And then I think secondly, it's our marriage and then we're parents to littles. So we've got a three-year-old as of this past weekend and a 20 month old, our young daughters, but then the past 10 months and some change we've been launching young adults today as a nonprofit ministry. And Mm -hmm. so I think I've had a long to-do list and I've just really, I've really been navigating of what's a priority. Um, So many things on the to-do list and my hack lately has been stop putting things on my to-do list and start budgeting time to do them. Mm -hmm. Like if it's really important, I'm going to, and I do this for years. I've done this with meetings or podcasts or a lunch or a coffee. Mm -hmm. I put it down. But it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, I need to write. That needs two hours of my time. We need to event plan. That needs an hour and a half of my time. And so just taking things off of the to-do list and putting them on my calendar, that's been my answer to this question. But really, Mm -hmm. I'd love for you to weigh in on, for the listener who maybe feels like I have the past 10 months, maybe they feel overwhelmed with the clutter of life or the chaos how can they begin to prioritize what is most important for them to truly run the race God has called them to, to not compare, Mm. compete, contrast, measure up, but truly to get laser focused on their assignment from the Holy Spirit, their lane. How can they really begin to prioritize? Because we can't do it all and God doesn't want us to do it all. So how can we do what actually matters most? Well, the first thing I tell people is pause. Because if you have, if you feel overwhelmed and overstressed, you have to pause in that moment of pausing is where you begin to take that next step of connecting because you cannot do everything you cannot. And I am all on a lot of social media. I don't do TikTok. I'm too old for that. I feel like but I am on the other social media things. I use them as a, as a platform of prayer first, you know, prioritizing prayer first. When I look, I'm, I've never been one to be a comparison person. A lot of girls that I sit with in the stands are, and it it's hard and I get it. But I think in my mind first, instead of going to find out what I'm looking for on these social media platforms, it's where can I stop, pause and pray for people as I go through it. Pray if they're having a hard time. Pray if they're acting up. There's some ugly stuff out there. And if they're acting up, I'm going to pray for them. You know, whatever it may be, I go at it with a mindset of prayer first. So when we're prioritizing things in our lives, we when we first pause, that gives us time to connect with Jesus. And how do we do that? In his word. Connecting. And I, I'm going to start with prayer first. Pause, then prayer praying and asking God to show you where it is he wants you and what he wants you doing in that space. And then we move into connecting with Jesus because we may pray for the Lord. I call it being a potato chip Christian. We can sit on the couch all day long and eat a bag of chips and say, Lord, work in and through me, do what you want in my life. But if we don't get our honeys up off that couch and take that first step, it's not going to work. And how do we know where that first step is? Or how do we go with courageous confidence into that first step? We read his word. 
God's word can give us so many answers. It may not say your purpose is to walk into this group of people and say this thing, but we know our purpose is to glorify God. That's our main purpose in life is to glorify Jesus. And if we're walking out our faith of glorifying God, he will give us the next step as we move. Prioritizing things, prioritize Jesus first. If we're prioritizing Jesus first, we're spending time in prayer, we're spending time in his word, and we're stepping out in faith. When we prioritize our to-do list or our schedules or whatever that may be, that goes back to prayer and communication with God, reading his word, because in that he's going to reveal to us those mysteries that he has just for us. What is it? What is the question we need answered? Where is the place we need to be? What is the scripture we need when that one person sits beside us and starts having a conversation? I have a lot of conversations on planes. I fly a lot. I travel a lot. And in that, I can never truly glorify God in those conversations if I haven't been in his word. So my priority is to spend time with him first. And then my next priority is to embrace those God appointments that he puts in front of us. Who has he put in front of us and where has he put us? And this is something I talk to baseball wives about a lot during spring training, because in spring training, it's a tough place to be during times when teams are defining their rosters Mm -hmm. because, and this is a lot in life. So I want to use this as a metaphor of all of life that we want to be seen. We want to be known and we want to be chosen. We're seen, known and chosen by God. And if that's not our first priority to understand that we're going to be looking in a lot of places, we should not be looking to be known, loved and chosen known, seen, and chosen. And we're loved by God beyond measure. So in spring training, we sit in the stands, they're defining the rosters. And some of these girls have been with their husbands, boyfriends for years, minor college, minor league, some of them even high school. And they just want to make the big league team because they think that's going to be all their answers. That's going to answer everything in their life. And it's like, no, you need to embrace where God puts you, no matter where that is. Powerful. Yeah. And sometimes that's in places we don't want to be. If that's in a diagnosis of a friend or family member or ourselves, if that's in miscarriages or a relationship, even before marriage that didn't work out that you thought God had put that person in your life specifically, if it's loss of a family member or the death of someone close to you, in those moments is where God's calling you to serve in those hardest of times. And for these girls being sent back to the minor leagues for the 10th, 11th, 12th year is a place they do not want to be, but it's where is God placing you and embracing that prioritizing the place that God has put you with the person he's put beside you. And I'm going to elaborate on the person he's put beside you, because if I'm on a team and there's a girl that's hard to deal with, she's going to sit beside me. And I call that my sandpaper person. That sandpaper person that grinds on your ever living last nerve. But in the refining of that, it goes from a very rough place to a softer place in you. If you allow God to use you in that God appointment, where has God placed you? And who is he placed beside you? Um, One time when we were with the Pittsburgh Pirates, we were there for nine seasons and we did Faith Night in the stadium. And Faith Night was a huge, huge night. It just kept growing. The first year there were like 3,000 people there. And this one night I'm talking about, there were probably 17,000 people there after a Thursday night game, tarp pulled (laughs) twice, which means it rained. They put the tarp on the field. They waited. They pulled the tarp. They started playing. It rained. They put the tarp on the field. So we're talking, we did not walk on the field until 1215 AM. My goodness. There's 17,000 people there. And I was doing a Q&A with the wives because I'm a little bolder and I speak professionally. So I guess I got volunteered to do that. Um, and I was doing a Q&A with the wives and it was such a beautiful time. And, you know, we had one mom on the team, one wife on the team who had a special needs child. And she was talking about how difficult 
that was, but what a blessing it was and how God was growing her through the process. And another mom had gone through some miscarriages and she wasn't a mom yet, but in her mind, she was a mom. And this is what God was going to, was asking her to be. And Mm -hmm. we talked about our Bible study and how through our Bible study, God had really refined each of us by using each other in, in our lives. And we just, we shared so many deep things. And anyway, faith night over great. The next night was Friday night at PNC park, which is a pretty big night. And I think it was a blackout night, which meant everybody was in black, black and gold, you know, black and yellow, black and yellow. And so I'm walking to the stadium. I almost got hit by a car twice crossing streets that they were supposed to stop. And I was being cautious, but I almost got hit twice by a car. People just going too fast. I walk on a street. There's thousands of people. I'm supposed to be going in to meet someone at the stadium early I'm stressed, I'm anxious, I'm just angry. And I get to the to the gate, my gate with my people, and it's just running slow. It's like nobody's ever been to the ballpark. They never knew that they couldn't carry a vodka bottle into the ballpark. The things, you know, here I am like judging people in my mind. I go through the stadium, go through the 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 uh security gate. And I didn't buzz and I'm grabbing my stuff. And the Lord said to me, say hello. I don't want to say hello to anybody. Jesus, are you crazy? This is my conversation with Jesus again. And he said, say hello. And I looked up and I go, hey, guys, just wanted to say thank you for doing your job. It looks like a rough night. And they were all like, oh, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And I start walking and I hear Mrs. Jouse, Mrs. Jouse. And I turned around and it was a young man, um, looked either late high school, early college age. And he said, I just want to thank you for last night at faith night. And I go, oh, were you there? And he said, yeah, I wasn't supposed to stay. I was supposed to get off early, but um, my supervisor asked if I'd stay and work the crowd because it was so much bigger than they thought it was going to be. He said, and I saw you down there talking about Jesus And I've never really heard that much about Jesus. And I want to thank you because you and the wives showed me how much love Jesus could give. I still don't really know who Jesus is, but I want to know more about him. And the players said they did a Bible study. So can you tell me what kind of Bible I need to buy? Amazing. And I grabbed him and I hugged him. And as I walked away with tears down my face and I don't cry, let me just say, I am not a crier, but sometimes the Lord pulls out my tear (laughs) dots and he's like, these are tears of joy. And I was like, thank you, Lord, that in that God appointment, I didn't show frustration and anger and anxiety and just bold, you know, boldly walk through these gates. Like, look who I am. I'm a wife. Let me through. I was humble and kind and looked people in their eye and said, thank you. Only because Jesus told me to, not because I wanted to, (laughs) but only because she's, and here's a young man that's never seen a Bible Mm -hmm. and he wants to know what Bible to buy. Yeah. That's so good. That's a priority is serving Jesus first. And in serving the Lord, in glorifying him, in reading his word, pausing and focusing on him and understanding him and hearing his still small whisper, which sometimes he yells at me, but usually (laughs) it's a small whisper in my spirit and then obeying that. Those are the priorities that lead you to the places Mm -hmm. where you can serve God in the fullness of all that he is doing in your life and then using you by working through your life in those opportunities. I absolutely love that. So good. You um, hit on a concept that I think has transformed my life. Every relationship, including our marriage, every relationship, including mine Mm -hmm. as a dad with my daughter's at work, coworkers, um, every room that I've walked into, there's a choice of three words that we all choose either Mm. intentionally or just by default. And I've had to retrain my mind on this one a lot, but um, the attempt of the three words, we all choose three words in every encounter. And here are the ones that you chose that day. There you are. The other three that a lot of times we can choose by default is here I am. 
and I'll like you, you walk yeah. into any room and we choose yeah. hey, there you are or here I am. And that shift in, we all choose yeah. which three words are we going to carry? Which three words are it's we going to choose today yeah. in this relationship? And, and it's never once for all. It's every time, every room, every relationship, mm-hmm. there you Absolutely. are, or here I am. And that concept is yeah. powerful, changes everything. Can I give you, yeah. can I give you one parenting tip? And it's actually a, not just a parenting tip, but a whole life tip, a marriage tip, a friendship tip a stranger tip. If every time you encounter someone, you light up, like it is the most magnificent moment in your life. And you look at that person and you're like, it's so good to meet you. Oh, it's so good to see you. When you light up, because my thought is if we light up when people come to us or are near us, it's like we're seeing the face of Jesus. And aren't we all made in the image of God? And I'm going to say right now, it's not just Christians that are made in the image of God. All people were made in the image of God. Some people just don't know it yet. But I want them to know it the moment I see them. And that's where I have, like you're saying, like, here I am. Oh, gosh, my problems, my issues. It's so funny to me how many times I'm on a plane and I'll be like, oh, where are you traveling? You know. And I know a lot of people don't want to talk, but people that do talk, the majority of the time, it's all about them. They never ask who I am, my name, what I do, what my life's like, how my day is. It all turns to them. And and I don't mean that in a selfish way. Like, I want people asking about me. No, God, please don't ask about me. But I think we are so self-focused and and self-absorbed at times that we're not pausing and seeing the world through Jesus eyes as a Christian believer I'm called to glorify God in all things and that means in every God appointment every God appointment if it's someone I totally disagree with if it's someone that I know is living an extremely immoral life if it is someone that I believe is the right hand of God, I'm going to treat them all exactly the same by showing them the joy and the love that God has placed in me. Yeah. And so many times, so many stories, but going into New York in April of 2021, we all know what New York was like in 2020. It was horrific. I didn't realize how horrific it was until I lived there in 2021. And I show up at the airport Call my Uber, my ride share, jump in it. There are partitions. That's another Southern word I can't say. Partition. There's a partition. There's a, a, you know, a vent coming through the back. So I have a little air conditioner. It was a warm day. And the man was of Middle Eastern descent. You know, he had some very strong characteristics in the car that I knew that, you know, he was probably Muslim and that, you know, yeah, just an evaluation, right? Yeah. And so my question to him was, oh, Henry, how's your day? Good. That was it. Okay. So as we're driving, we get on the interstate and I'm like, so how did you fare during the pandemic? This is the first time I've been back to New York since the pandemic. Sobbing. Mm-hmm. The man begins to sob And tells me that he lost five family members in his house. Oh, my word. Mother-in-law, father-in-law, mom, dad, and brother-in-law. He lost five people to COVID in his house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm, my heart is breaking for this man. And me, my kids say, I'm going to die one day. And if I die for Jesus, I die for Jesus. (laughs) Me, I say, I'm a Christian. And I feel like God is asking me to pray for you and your family. May I pray for you? And he said, yes, sternly, but he said, yes. And I put my hand on the partition, put it up there. And I started praying and I pray as the Holy Spirit leads me. And I pray for healing in the name of Jesus and peace and freedom and bondage. I mean, I taught, I pray a wholeheartedly prayer. And at one point in the prayer, I feel on the partition. 
And, and it scared me a little bit. There is a large man in the front seat. I don't care what race, color, creed, country you're from. If there's a large man in the front seat and I feel a pound on that partition, it startled me. And I kept praying, but I opened my eyes. He had put his hand up against the partition on my hand and he had stopped crying and the peace on his face wow. was a transformation. Yeah. His awesome. face transformed. Mm-hmm. If I didn't, if I wasn't connected to Jesus, yeah. if I yeah. wasn't reading the word, if I wasn't listening for his voice and his mm-hmm. guidance, and I didn't accept a God appointment of lighting up when someone comes in a room or I get in an Uber, I miss an opportunity mm-hmm. to share him. And not that God won't use someone else for that opportunity, but if I miss an opportunity to share Jesus, I miss the blessing of doing that. Yeah. So God's going to use somebody else, but I miss <clears throat> the blessing of being able to share the Lord with someone and, and pray with them. So I'm sorry, that went into a whole long story, but <laughs> But I think that also just reveals like us as believers or pre-believers, like they need to, they need to experience the goodness of God through us. And we can either Amen. look at people as an opportunity or an obligation. Yes, and the moment we start good. looking through people, like looking at people as an obligation versus a divine delay in our plan versus God's plan. And when mm-hmm. like you start praying, like, okay, Lord, put people in my path that I would normally not come across. There mm-hmm. will be divine delays that surprise you, that wake you up, that shake your spirit and force you to rely on the Holy spirit. When you get in those situations, when you get in those cars, yeah. when you get in that classroom, when you get in front of a, a, I don't know, a congregation to speak, or you're leading a yes. meeting, whatever that is. And you're like, Oh, okay. This is not an obligation. This is an opportunity to serve the Lord Absolutely. and to live out my walk with Jesus on the yeah. side of eternity. And I think that's just a challenge. I think for all of us, me as a challenger mm-hmm. and probably Billy as a challenger, challenging mm-hmm. the audience to look at people as an opportunity to witness to, because every single person on this earth is one invitation away from heaven forever. Yeah. Yeah. Eternity with Amen. Jesus, one invitation away. And if we're going to withhold right. those invitations, we are robbing the mm-hmm. kingdom of God from yeah. more people. We're robbing ourselves of an opportunity to serve Jesus and point people to Christ. So I think no matter where you're at on your faith journey, whether you're leading a, yeah. a small group in your house or you're leading people by the tens of thousands, or maybe you feel like you don't even have a best friend yet, look, start yeah. praying for divine opportunities Amen. and divine delays and God will bring them. And yeah. really, we've come to a fun part of our session and segment with you. We have five and five. So we have five minutes on the clock, five okay. questions for the audience to get to kind of know you a little more for some fun um, questions. Are you ready for the home run derby challenge? Yes. All right. Here's question number one. What is God teaching you lately? Oh, goodness. Patience in the quietness. I am not one to sit still very often. And he's teaching me patience in the quietness. That's good. Peace be still. No, yeah. that God. Patience um, in the pause. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about this? This is the curveball, right? Um, you you got that first pitch, but the second one, if you could ask Mike and I anything today, one question, what would you want to know? Oh, this is a good one. Let's see. What is the greatest joy that God has brought you in your marriage, other than your children, just the two of you? What is that greatest joy that God has given you in your relationship? Oh, do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. You know, Billy, for us, um, Mike and I are both dreamers and doers, but the the gift of a companion to have somebody by my side um, with this gal right here, I do feel like we can do anything that God asks us to, mm-hmm. Amen. and he's for us and she's with me. So that's a dynamic duo for me. Yeah, that's good. I would say getting the gift or having the gift of doing ministry together side by side where we're like on this tandem bike propelling forward for God and we need to be in cadence with him and with each other. I think that's the joy, but outside of ministry, I would say the joy, we both enjoy to travel at a beach, anywhere fun in the sun is where you'll find us. If we could ever get away on a vacation, 
<laughs> so with littles, it's hard because I'm like, I want to bake like a toasted cheeser on the beach. I know I shouldn't do that, but that's my desire of like vitamin D living in the Midwest. I'm like, oh my gosh, we haven't seen if the sun I in 10 worship, months. If I didn't worship Jesus, I'd worship the sun. Just saying. <laughs> make me. I'll teach you how to tan and rotate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's a great question. All right. Question number three. Here we go. Um, what is the best advice you've ever been given? Oh, goodness. So much. I love to learn. So I I really do glean from everyone I meet. I always try to find one thing. So best advice. Okay. I'm going to go to baseball. And as a baseball mom, as a baseball wife, my husband's basically gone eight months a year when the kids were little, right? We go see him for a couple of months during the summer. So my boys grew up with dad, not at the ballpark. And one time I was sitting at a game with my teenagers playing and I was sitting with a scout and I said something and he goes, Oh girl, don't coach them between the lines. And I learned like he, what he was saying was while they're playing on a field, don't coach them. Don't teach them. Don't, don't, you know, tell them what to do. Wait until they're off the field and you'll be able to do that. And that has really covered so many places in my life. When I'm in a disagreement with my husband, an argument with my husband, to point out his weaknesses or his failures during that argument, wait till you're outside the lines. With a friend that says something hurtful, instead of confronting them in the moment, wait until you've stepped away from that emotional reaction and say something then. So not coaching in the lines, not taking that moment to take a jab or redirect somebody. Now that doesn't apply when you see a friend in sin or you're in sin or your kids are, you know, you coach them in the lines, but it's really that point of not reacting, more responding. You don't react to a situation, you respond to it and responding to a situation takes you, you know, into a less emotional place. Same thing with getting rid of emotional toxins. If you're reacting to emotional toxins, you're going to stay in the heat of it. When you respond to the emotional toxins, you take those steps to rid, get your uh, get rid of them. Oh, that's good. Dude, that's phenomenal. I uh, I picked that one up to adopt and implement. Don't coach people between the lines. That is yeah. really cool. The way that Andy Stanley has taught it. And I just listen and read to yeah. so much leadership. But when you... Um, advocate for someone publicly, it gives you the right to then challenge them privately. Mm-hmm. And so, so what we don't That's do good. is we don't criticize people publicly, we advocate for them. Yeah. And then when it, when we are in private, when it is outside the lines, mm-hmm then that's the time and the place. And mm, um, you've, you've seen the world, a lot of it through baseball, just through life and travel as young travelers. What's one, if you could go to one beach or one vacation, where would you, or you could, or we could go there or the listener, what's your favorite beach or place to vacation or travel? Um, I always, we've been to a lot of places, but we've lived in the Dominican Republic and that country has such, I have such a heart for that country. Wow. Um, we do a lot of work with Compassion International in the yeah. Dominican Republic. We do a lot of of life in the Dominican. When we go down there for my husband to do winter ball, we um, we live the life. We go, so I wouldn't say Punta Cana or La Romana. I would say Playa Guayacanas because Guayacanas is more of a local type beach. It's more private, quiet. We we actually rented a beach house and that seems so fancy, but it's it was not. It was rudimentary, but it was on the beach. And at Christmas wow. of 2020, we wow. were there for winter ball and two of our boys came yes. down and we were we were in MLB lockdown because of, of the virus. And so we couldn't go to a resort for Christmas. So we rented what we called the Christmas house. And yeah, yeah. Um, it was a little beach, but a little private beach. And it had no air conditioning. And I mean, it was rudimentary, guys. This is not this is not foo-foo. This was a rudimentary, but just a blast. My husband got on the back of a moto and went into this fishing village to get seafood because one of our traditions is to do a seafood pot on Christmas Eve. And my boys were having none of it. We're in the Dominican. We're doing a seafood pot. So um, the kitchen had no venting. Yeah. So beach I would go to would be Guayacanas. It's that's it's fun. just so special. So, spe- and I'd love to take you guys there. It oh. would be awesome. <laughs> Sign us up. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the last and final question for you today, Billy, but if you could leave the listener with a word of encouragement today, mm-hmm. what would you say to them? My encouragement for everyone listening is I want you to go to a mirror and I want you to look in that mirror and I want you to see who God's created, the beautiful uniqueness of you. And I want you to see yourself as God sees you through his eyes, through his lens, through his love that he, you are an amazing masterpiece in his eyes. And that would be the encouragement I'd want everyone to do today. I'm a challenger. That's good. Great challenge. You know what? Challenges are good for us every time. God uh, didn't place us here for a a comfort zone. He wanted us to be in a growth zone. And to do that, it takes Mm -hmm. challenge. And Bill, we just want to say thank you so much for your time for this resource, Detox from Distraction. This is Billy Jouse on the Young Adults Today podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to subscribe, leave a review, and share this with someone you know. Plug me in, I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.